This week, Matter will not be in time. Epic will not be part of Google. And Messenger will not be stopped from encryption. It's Sunday, August 15th, 2021, and this is episode 601 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, uh, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or of course, on our website, plugitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Or you can always subscribe by going to plugitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows including F5 Live, Pilch Point, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all of the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Well, we want to welcome everybody back. We uh, obviously were off last week. We had uh, some personal things uh, to deal with here on my side. Um, Everything's fine. Everything's good. Just trying to get life back to normal (laughs) for some people around here. Um, But... How were you during our downtime, Avram? All right, not bad. Got um, got some, you know, got some work done as always. With uh, got some work done on some uh, some projects here. Still got a lot to do. Still got a, uh, a lot to figure out with my three D printer. You know, still trying to get cooler uh, cooler stuff to come out of it. <laughs> But, sure. Um, did uh, did some interesting learning about uh, how how to really make the most of your keypad, which we'll talk about later. Um, we had a interesting uh, week or so. Uh, Andrew from uh, my staff got to go to Bellevue, Washington, and saw that. see the the Steam Deck and. Uh, I instructed him not to wash his hand again till it comes out. Um, just, you know, in case the, you know, keep a micromolecule of it with him at all times. But um, uh, I don't think he listened to me. But anyway, he uh, he, he said it's uh, you know it seems pretty good. Um, so that uh, so that was really that was really interesting. Um, um, hoping that you know we'll get to take a closer look at it uh, before it comes out sure although the most interesting thing that really struck me about it is that it is it runs arch linux uh-huh. that's it's uh, i mean it's steam os which is basically built on top of linux and if you plug it into a monitor keyboard and mouse you can run the arch linux desktop which means that it's like you know arch arch linux which makes me wonder 
could somebody get the Steam OS um, as it is Linux, put it on and make their own Steam Steam Deck? You know, yeah. if they had if they had parts, you know, could they build their own console with that? Um, I don't think they took down. You used to be able to download uh, Steam OS yourself and do whatever you wanted with it. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, build your yeah, own I Steam machine, build have... and sell Steam machines. Yeah, there's a there's a do-it-yourself uh, Steam machine download. So, yeah, if you got like a window, like one of the, the Chinese Windows ones, you could install it on there. If you really had the... Uh, <laughs> the gumption to go build a portable computer and put Steam OS on it, you could as well. I think it's I think it's x eighty six processors only, so uh, at least for the Steam Steam OS, I don't think it supports I don't think it supports ARM. So I don't think you could like take a Raspberry Pi or correct Intel or AMD sixty four bit capable processor and do it just just yet. Um, although it would be cool if you could. But that seems to be an emerging, an emerging market, right? Is these small, um, yeah. you know, the Steam. There was the Steam Deck, but there's also, you know, these. What is it? G. Uh, it called the Win GPD Win. Yep. Something not. Um, and there was all, and there's also. The you know Alienware had showed a prototype, uh, yep, a while back. So you at know, CES twenty twenty. So I think this is a, um, you know, it's something. It's a market that people want. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a device form factor that people want. Agreed. So we will have to see where that goes, but it's it's something that people that people want. So it's it's kind of exciting to see a new PC form factor, um, and with the excitement around it, I could totally see, um, totally see this going somewhere. Even though it's it's very expensive for for what you get. Absolutely. Um, uh, it is just the GPD win, by the way. Right. <laughs> I think there was an. I thought there was another. Like I think there's a second version coming or something. It's a well, there's different. a there's a win, there's a win two, there's a win max, there's a win three, five point five. There's there's a number there a of win-win? units. A win win. It's a win win situation. It would be a win win win. Even you win. Sorry, uh, Office yes. fans. <laughs> Office fans will appreciate that one <laughs> for having mediated the situation. Anyway, oh. It's going to be an interesting show tonight, just to, to let everybody know. It's been a very weird, long week uh, around here, so I'm a little off. So I'm going to be a little extra goofy tonight. Uh, but speaking of goofy, uh, something I know, I know we've said a lot about TikTok, and very little of it has been positive. <laughs> but if you do already happen to be on TikTok, uh, Aaron Hurst 6 uh, is the 3000 Brigades, Aaron Hurst. And uh, she has apparently been invaded by Linda Belcher 
from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> and uh, she's posted several videos as Linda, and I definitely feel like there's more coming. They're very funny. Definitely check it out. I was laughing earlier um, at her going to Joanne Fabrics, which, ah, <laughs> amazing. Uh, <laughs> but on a more serious note, we have a new feature coming to Plug Hits Live uh, in the near future. We're currently calling it, we'll see if it sticks with this name, we're currently calling it the monthly download, uh, which is to go along with the upstream, which is our weekly news section. Um, it's going to be a newsletter where what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a topic. For example, we have completely skipped over the topic of Apple and uh, scanning your photos and documents on your device looking oh, for a certain content. We have completely skipped it. Why? Because of what Avram just said. Because it's quite a topic. And so what we're going to do yeah. is we're going to take a big topic. We're going to dive into it. You'll get you'll get the, uh, the opinions and the takes from our editorial staff, from our hosts, uh, from the people behind the scenes that you don't usually see, plus some of our partners um, and in including the Tech Podcast Network, uh, Kirk and Todd and Chris Jordan. We'll get takes from them. We're going to include uh, reactions from people in the industry, both good and bad. Uh, so we're going to really dive into a topic. It will come out to our subscribers first, and then we'll publish to the website a couple days later. So if you want to get that first, uh, I'm going to give you a little hint. It's not available quite yet, but if you go to plugkitslive.com slash the download, you can sign up for that uh, that newsletter in a couple of days, and then uh, hopefully the first edition will be published soon. Uh, it's been a fun project to get started on. We've been working with a new marketing company. We've got a lot of new interesting things coming. This is the first. Very excited about it um, because it's... It's a different direction for us uh, editorially, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that possibility of where it could go. So, anyway, that's <laughs> that's our marketing pitch there uh, for this evening. Definitely go out, go check out Aaron, go check out um, the download, and with that, let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifty is an F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking a new Xbox, some new games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store, and that's not just Microsoft products, there's a whole lot more. And remember, the current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to browse all the products and to learn more, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So we talked about this a couple of months ago. Um, it is the new uh, smart home standard coming from what was the, the Zigbee Alliance, which is now called the Connectivity Standards Alliance. The new standard is called Matter. It was supposed to be here by the end of this year. But matter and time and space apparently do not match. And so uh, the standard has been delayed until at least 2022. Um, 
apparently they're having trouble with their software development kit, their SDK. Um, so that would prevent the manufacturers from developing apps so that you could do, you know, trivial things like turn your lights on, <laughs> uh, which obviously is a helpful thing uh, if you want to use smart devices. So obviously uh, they're, they're going to be working on that hard. Um, I'm, I don't know about you, Avram, but the more I learn about matter, um, I've always been on the Z-Wave side of the Z-Wave Zigbee uh, fight, but that's maybe because I know everybody over there. But the, the whole matter thing has gained a lot of steam. Uh, not steam deck, that's something else, but they've gained. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be controllable, but I guess technically you could install apps since it's Linux. Anyway, um, uh, it's gained a lot of steam uh, with having partners join the alliance like Apple, Google, and Amazon. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal, having them involved directly. Why can't we have one standard to rule them all? It's very frustrating. I mean, will this be be backward compatible with uh, with Zigbee? Not with Z-Wave. That's the other. That's the other right. alliance. So yeah, but, I, no, I figure but it with Zigbee. Compatible with Zigbee. Yes, but it won't be cross compatible with. As of right now, no. So, but there are. So you still have to pick a side. But there are bridges. I've seen bridges that include both that allow the relay of commands from one protocol to another. Now, I don't know how official they are. I don't know if they're actually allowed to do that. Um, but I have seen things like that, which is an interesting uh, middleman solution for the problem. So here's my, I don't know if we know the answer to this, but how expensive is it to to build matter into your device? Is it is it like free or do you have to pay licensing? There's licensing, but it's less expensive than the licensing for Wi-Fi, which is impressive because when talking with um, with Jennifer from uh, Extreme Cables, uh, one of the things she told me was the reason why they went with, with Wi-Fi on the new version of the Monster Luminescence, like what's behind me, uh, is because Wi-Fi was less expensive than dealing with uh, just standard RF. So if, and the, these things behind me running Wi-Fi, I think retail for 10 or 12 bucks. Um, so if this is less expensive to license and use than even Wi-Fi is, I mean, it could actually bring costs down, which is even more impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's an easy, and I haven't tried to do this with, uh, with Zigbee to be fair, if there's an easy way to, to you know use to build your own board that can do zigbee you know could you do it with could you do it with a raspberry pi with some with some add-on board could you do it with an arduino with some add-on board could you do it with an rp2040 board um you know i guess that's not that's not a mind frame of most people will probably be in they'll probably be in hey which <laughs> which standard do i want to support in my home and i'm going to get the proper bridge but uh, I do wonder if, you know, which of these is, which, whether this standard is going to be better for people who are trying to kind of do it themselves uh, in building smart home bridges or devices than some of the other standards. So I can, I can tell you 
without a doubt that both Zigbee and Z-Wave do have Raspberry Pi and uh, Arduino modules. I have them in a box just outside the studio. So, Aha. so yes, both <laughs> both standards do have modules to make it easy. Um, I don't know that I don't think that they're made by the alliances. I think they're made by by aftermarket. Um, but that's the wonders of being a member of the alliance, right? You've got the standard. What do you do with it? Whatever you want. So they're right. off they go, so, and they're making. So you could get it, yeah. Yeah, they're making shields and all that. So absolutely, yeah. I imagine that that we'll see the same thing come about when when the matter standard becomes more public than just keeping it in house to the members <laughs> as they as they produce their products on it. Will you need? Is will you be able to use an existing radio for this or? Uh, like if you have a Zigbee, can you upgrade it with firmware, or is it, Ooh. or is it completely new hardware? Uh, fair question, and one I don't have an answer to. Um, I have not, I have not researched into that part of it yet. But I do know, but, uh, I do know that it's something about eight hundred two eleven AH is somewhere that matter lives um it it runs somewhere within that that protocol that connectivity right. um and i don't know if that's where zigbee lives so if not then no <laughs> but if it can access those frequencies maybe i don't know but that's an interesting idea being able to do to literally upgrade the hardware to the new standard itself I'll have to look into that. Um, obviously, from years of CES, I I know some people over there, so I will I will reach out and see if I can get an answer on that because th those are the kinds of things that we that we love, right? It's not just our our audience isn't just consumers. It's obviously the Tom's Hardware audience as well. It's it's people yeah. who are yeah. tinkering around with things and want to. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's the fun to me is to figure out, hey, like, is there something I could do with this that would be, I mean, obviously there's a reason why the companies are using this standard. So mm -hmm. this is going to be lower power, presumably, than um, than using Wi-Fi to communicate, right? Sure. And, and less than Zigbee. And so, right. So you can imagine that something like, okay, I'll give you an example. I have in my drawer here. If I can't get out this thing I haven't really got to play with very much, but is a really cool toy. Um, I don't know if I've shown you this before. And so this is the mag tag, right? And um, this is something that uh, Adafruit makes and and it will, it can, it's an e-ink screen, right? And because right. it's e-ink, it uses no power whatsoever unless it's changing state, except right. that it has Wi-Fi on it, right? Uh, with the on the principle that it's got to get data from somewhere to change, right? Like if I want to show something, right? right? So, you know, if this is connected to, you know, whatever my computer or something else via Zigbee, presumably it's using less power from its battery. It can last, it can stay a lot longer between charges. Right. right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. Uh, what was that called? 
uh, the mag tag. It's interesting that it has the word tag in it because uh, we interviewed a company a couple years ago doing something similar to that specifically for price tags. Yes, I, I, I know uh, I, it might have been the same company. Was it uh, Asia? Uh, that could they, be. They did wireless charging as well. Asia Coda, they, I mean, they're not, they may not be the only ones, but they, their Asia uh, was advertising. They do, not only do they actually have people distributed the data, but they have how actually wireless charging. Uh, and they said, hey, we can have a whole supermarket shell. They showed a whole supermarket shelf like this. Yeah. With, uh, uh, you know, with little e ink displays like this showing the pricing. Yeah. Right. And so the, uh, able to update the pricing and uh, you know dynamically. The the home section of Home Depot, like the cabinets and flooring and stuff, are all priced with e-ink displays at my store. I was like, yeah, I mean, exciting it, to see it out in it the makes, wild. <laughs> makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. So well, you can imagine just little things throughout your home that you could pin up that give you certain pieces of information like that. And could you, how, in the absence of having wireless power, how are you going to power these? Because that right. is the bit, the biggest challenge, especially if you've got a store and you've got a million, you know, little, um, you know, a million little, uh, you know, signs. You 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 know. You have to recharge or replace the batteries on these on a regular right. basis. It's it's going to be annoying. So, you know, it's the same thing at home. But if you can use a lower power, um, you know, the lowest power thing to give data, because I mean, how much data are you really going to send? Right. Um, it it could be quite useful, um, and and I mean that's why it's being used for things like lights, right? I mean, mm -hmm. How much data do you really have to send to your light on? Right, exactly. <laughs> Very little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it really is wonderful. I love I, I love this idea. I've like I said, I've done a pretty deep dive into it. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. I've been on the Z Wave side for a while, but this matter standard is is pretty exciting. I look forward to seeing what it looks like <laughs> in real life when it does finally uh, hit the market. Let's cross our fingers next year. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN, the best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities Say goodbye to some regional restrictions and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. And you can get a special price right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. So, uh, you have an interesting piece from this week. Uh, that yes. I really, really enjoyed. Yes. So thank you for, for reading that. I know I've, I've talked on some previous shows about how cool it is to kind of have to take a, you know, something and get your own little macro keypad uh, like this one that I recently reviewed with 
Adafruit MacroPad RP2040. But for, forget that for a second. A lot of us already have this. We don't need to buy necessarily buy something. We have a numeric keypad on our keyboards. Uh, but most people I talk to don't know what to do with theirs, or, or rather they don't use it much, right? It's, it, it seems nice, but then unless you're an accountant, you're probably not sitting there keying in numbers like this. You're probably just using the top number row uh, to type in your numbers, and that's fine. And of course, you don't need the arrows too much because you already have arrows, and you don't need the page up, page down because you already have page up, page down. So it feels like a vestigial organ on your keyboard. But what if you could take your numpad and turn it into something else? In fact, you could take any keys on your keyboard and turn them into something else. But I'm going to talk about your numpad because that's something where you can afford to do it without uh, messing up something else you might want to do. Like you change your F2 key into something else, you might say, hey, wait, I needed that. Um, so there's a couple of and ways. And we definitely don't want you to change your F5 key. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? So, you know, here's something that where you can change it where you can take the, the keys on your number pad, that means 10 number keys, the, the enter key, the plus, the minus, the, the asterisk, the division key, the del, that is a dot key, all of those, and you can, you can transform it. So let me show, share my screen and show that there's a couple of different ways to do this, each of which has its own special advantages. So um, over here, I'm gonna show uh, this freeware app called Sharp Keys. What does Sharp Keys do? Sharp Keys allows you to take any key on your keyboard and have it remap it to a different key. So, uh, for example, if I want to take the num, let's say num four key on my keyboard, um, and I could look for it here in this, like you get two columns here, the front key, the two key. I could go scroll this whole list and look for it, or I could just hit type key and I could type the num four and it will uh, allow me to get to it. Uh, now, what I want to do is I want to turn this into a music player. Uh, so a, some keyboards have, but mine doesn't, maybe yours doesn't either, have media keys. So if you're playing something in Spotify or whatever, um, or even video, whatever you're you're playing, you can hit forward, back, and play pause uh, without um, without having to go into the app and look for that, you know, and hit those buttons. So I want to to take num four and I'm going to turn it into media preview track, right? And I select that, and you see it says here on this list. I'm going to go again, and I'm going to do for number five. I'm going to select media uh, play pause. And I'm going to take key six, which is the forward arrow, and I'm going to make it into media next track. And if I want, I also can take, let's say, the plus, the num plus key. And there is, I think it's under media, there's volume up, right? Media volume up. So, and I can take the minus key. And guess what? I'm going to make that media volume down. So I could do all of that, right? And 
when I'm done, all I need to do is hit right to register, hit this right to registry button. Uh, but I'm not going to do this right now because it will interrupt our show. Uh, these will not take effect until I reboot. Once I've rebooted, the uh, the program will now think that four, five, and six are reverse play pause and forward as if they were the media keys. Uh, I could also turn these into function keys. I could turn these into, um, there's some other weird keys that I never heard of being on people's keyboards that they're like, there's an email key and a calculator key. I have no idea what keyboard in the world has those things, but that natively some keyboards have, and so you can remap to it. There are even some special characters on here that you could remap to. Um, although, interestingly, I was looking for a pound, a, a pound sterling sign. I didn't see it on, on here. So that's one thing you could do, and that's the simplest thing. This does not even require you to run sharp keys again. Like once you've written it to the registry and rebooted it, you can only need to run sharp keys if you want to change this. So, so that's sharp keys, but let's talk about something a little bit more ambitious, and that is auto hotkey. So auto hotkey is a pro is something I really recommend, but you've got to invest a little bit of time to learn about it. So auto hotkey is a program you, ins you install it, and then you create um, scripts. And the scripts are written in auto hotkeys little scripting language, which is really easy to learn. Uh, you can edit them in a text editor and save them with the file extension .ahk. And if you save them in your Windows startup folder, they will just run every time you start. So here's my script. And what I'm done here is I am going to make each of these uh, keys do something different. And by the way, the reason you would want auto hotkey over say, using sharp keys is you can make it do more than just remap to an existing key. You can make it run a program. You can make it type repetitive text. You can even make it go into menus for you. And you also can fix it so that uh, you assign different functions to the number pad when it's in numlock mode and not in numlock mode. So for example, let's say you like using the number pad for numbers. Okay, you can still assign uh, functions to the keys when numlock is off. So, so you can have it the best of both worlds. You can have it be a number pad when you want it and a uh, macro pad when you don't. So what I've done here is there's a few lines of code we always put at the top. Um, this is no big deal. Um, for every key that you want to map to, what you do is you put the name of the key um, and there's a bunch of key names. This one is numpad home, which is the, the seven key pad, but when numlock is off, it's considered a home key. And if you want to just run an app, you just tell it run and the app name. Um, if it's, if it can't just find the app that way, then you may need to put the full path, like C colon and program files. And at the end of whatever you're having a key do, you always put return. Um, so let me show you how this works. Um, I'm going to hit the seven key and you're going to see that that's no, numpad, uh, notepad launched, right? Now, another thing that I assigned here is numpad up, which is the eight key. And I had it assigned to send some text. 
So let's say you have something like your address that you're always sending to people, right? I'm going to hit the eight and there it goes. It puts it in. Wow. Um, so now I could have it do something much more complicated than that. Um, but that's just a macro or that's just text, right? That's the simplest thing in the world. Also, it could be a special character, right? So if let's say I'm constantly writing things uh, that are in British pounds as actually I'm doing at work, um, then I, and, and there's no pound key and pound sterling key on, on my American keyboard, I can uh, assign one of these keys to be that. Um, another thing is, and this I think is the most useful thing you can do with, uh, with AutoHotKey is what if you had a menu item that you want to access and there's no built-in hotkey for it. So here's an example. Um, and this is not an example you probably use in real life because you probably don't care that much about this function. But in Notepad, uh, if you go to the view menu, there's a status bar option, right? And if you, you go up and scroll to it with your mouse, you can turn the little status bar in the bottom on and off, right? Um, if this were something that, say, you did a lot, um, like a good example for me is in Photoshop Elements, I use the prop function a lot, and there's no prop, there's no hotkey for prop. There's no keyboard shortcut for it. So I have to roll my mouse all the way up in Photoshop and scroll down and select prop, and that's that's work, right? So um, what you can do is you can create a code to assign a key to do a menu thing for you. So um, you'll see I'm going to hit nine. And it was so fast you couldn't see it happen, but I'm toggling the status bar on and off with the nine key, which is also known as the uh, page up, numpad page up. Um, and if you look at my code here, this is very simple. Um, I have assigned, first of all, I put a little uh, line of code up here telling it to only do this in notepad, if when active notepad. Because if I hit this key and I'm in Word, I don't want it to, to do to, to, to work for this, right? Um, then I'm assigning numpad page up to do the following things. I'm having it send now a the exclamation point is for stands for an alt key and alt V. Then I'm having it hit down and then I'm having it hit enter. Why all of that stuff? Because in Windows, one thing that some folks may not know is that in Windows, if you want to get to something in one of the menus in any program, one of the top menus, the way to do it, this doesn't really work for ribbon. I don't think you really do this with a ribbon, but with any kind of normal menu like you see in Notepad, if I hit Alt, the Alt key, and then the letter, the first letter of the menu that I want, like V for view, it will show me that menu. And then, of course, if I hit the down arrow, I get to the status bar option, and if I hit enter, turns it on and off. So what have I done with, with this script? All I've done is I've had it do hit, hit those keys for me, but I don't have to actually do, I only have to hit one key to do it, right? And even though it's going through the menu, it's happening so quickly that you, you don't really see uh, the menu, the little pull-down menu pop up. But what's important here is it's doing what I wanted it to, right? Um, so, um, you know, like I said, I've used this in other programs like Photoshop. I've used this on particular web pages, like for Google Docs. There is a, a Google Docs menu option that I want to get to very frequently. And there's no hotkey for it in Google Docs. But 
I figured out what alt keys to to press. Alt, the right combination of alt and arrow keys to get to that menu item and hit enter. And uh, so now I can do that with a single key press. So um, those, are those are a couple of things you can do. The final thing I want to show you that you can do is something I don't think a lot of people want to do, but A, it's something you can do. Um, it's called mouse keys. So um, in the, um, let's see if I can, the best way to do this is if you type mouse keys, you will get this menu here um, if you search for mouse keys and you can turn it on. Um, although I found that this doesn't, the, the regular Windows 10 menu doesn't always work for, for settings menu for mouse keys. And sometimes if you go to the old control panel, that seems to work more consistently. So if you go to the old Windows control panel and you go to ease of access settings, ease of access center there, I believe, uh, I believe it's use the computer without a mouse or keyboard, I think it is. Uh, no. It is under make. It is one of these options here is mouse keys. Mouse keys. Anyway, point being, if you turn on mouse keys, what you can do is that you can use the arrow keys on your numpad to move the pointer around like a mouse. Um, would I Fascinating. personally do that? Would I personally do that? Not, no, uh, <laughs> because it, it can be a little slow. Um, but it is, um, but it, you know, if you don't have your mouse around, uh, that's a use case for it. Um, you know, there certainly have been times when I would have wanted to do that when I was working on some other thing where I had like a Raspberry Pi or something, I would have liked to do that with it. Uh, but I don't know how to do that in Linux. But um, anyway, so you could turn the numpad into like a, a joystick, basically, and move your, your pointer around that way. Uh, and you can actually, um, you can hit, I think you hit zero the zero key to click. Uh, and you can, you hit them. And if you hit the division key, the slash, it'll turn into a right click, right click mode. So you can change between, you know, right and left click and you can move, move around. But I thought, oh, it is working for me. Okay. See, I'm moving it right now. Um, and if you hold control down, it speeds it up. So holding control down, it moves a little faster. If I want to hold shift down, it moves a little slower and you can control the pointer speed. Um, so it does usually work in the um, Windows, new Windows settings, but if you go to the old control panel, I found that like most things, the old control panel is still better than the settings menu. Um, the diagonals work too. So if you use what, like the one, three, seven, or nine, you can move diagonally. Um, so that's the, uh, you know, it's something you can do. Uh, it's supposed to be helpful for people who uh, have trouble moving the mouse. So for, for those folks, it's definitely a great thing. For folks who can use a mouse uh, comfortably, I'm not sure, it, it, I don't think it's a real performance enhancer to do this. So, um, you know, because I think it's probably kind of a, a pain, you know, takes longer to move around. But um, anyway, so those are, those are all of the, all the different things that you can do 
And really the possibilities are kind of endless because uh, if you really get into using uh, auto hotkey, which by the way, is not at all limited to using your numpad, you could as assign all kinds of key combinations on auto hotkey. So if you want to, for example, assign control shift K to do one of the things that I just said, you can assign that too. So auto hotkey is not only for a single key, uh, assigning something to a single key, you can assign something to, uh, you know, a key combination. So, you know, control alt a key, control shift a key, control windows, control windows shift, whatever, uh, plus a key. So you can, um, you know, you don't, even if you don't have a numpad, you can benefit from auto hotkey a great deal. Uh, but I'm just talking about the numpad because that's, for a lot of people, that's unused space. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's something that I've been using. Um, like the keyboard that's here in the studio has 18 additional keys on it. Uh, <laughs> specifically for that kind of thing, right? Plus I've got a, a keypad off to the side and I've got the, the stream deck, which is different than the Steam deck here <laughs> under under the desk, which is actually how I control most of the show. Um, so yeah. Yeah, the idea of like having additional hotkeys and stuff is obviously big on my on my agenda. Right. I mean, I I think about all the time that I would love to get a keyboard that has extra function keys. Uh, I mean, they used to have. Uh, it's rare, uh, but they back in the day you used to have keyboards that had F thirteen through F twenty four. Yeah. Right. And. Um, and so there's now you can sort of get there's like i know one place we can get a new keyboard that has that but that's that's very very rare um and you think about it because all the other keys on your keyboard are kind of spoken for if they're not spoken for in windows there's probably some other program that's using them mm -hmm. right so but your numpad keys those you really could you know are really free keys so you know that that could be like another you know what four, 14 15 uh keys that you can that you can assign to do other things if you want so yeah that's you have you have another 18 function keys now you have another 14 on top of that if you want to use your numpad as as function keys I, ironically, the stream deck that I have here is currently set to replicate the number keys on the number pad <laughs> because, because that's how, uh, how a lot of the, the controls in live stream studio are, <laughs> are implemented <laughs> is through the number keys. Uh, but yeah, I, obviously for, under most circumstances, most people are not using that keypad on the right. Uh, I've got, I do have one question. Uh, when you were showing off the essentially macroed menu item, uh, yeah. if it was, let's say, obviously we all know you can control S, but let's pretend that didn't exist. Could you also send Alt F S uh, yeah, and sure. have it do the menu that way yeah. too? Okay, I figured as yeah, much, but I had to verify. Yeah, of course. Any Anything like that. Um, okay. Any key that you could type on the keyboard, you you could send this way, right? Okay. Any, also, you could set delays, right? So, 
I didn't set any delays because this worked without it, but for something on a web menu where you're hitting a menu and you have to wait a second for it to, or like half a, you know, few sure. seconds for it to open, you can, there's a sleep command. So you can tell it like wait 200 milliseconds or something uh, before you do the, before you hit the arrow, before you hit whatever key. Sure. Uh, so that it's not hitting it too fast. Okay. Well, that's, that's good because on my, on my development machine, I actually have, it's, it's another keyboard like this with extra keys down the side, but I have, I have them set, uh, for clean solution, rebuild solution, run solution, debug solution. And only one of those has a direct key, which is ironically F5. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I live day and night in F5, but, um, uh, so I, I have those programmed to do alt build menu, pro which is probably B and then whatever it is as the, the key, the typey typey shortcut. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that that was available you in this as well. You can even make it move a mouse. So you could even make it move a mouse pointer to oh, a, wow. particular, a particular coordinate on the screen okay. and then click that and move again or whatever. So it's like an invisible, auto hotkey is an invisible hand is basically what it is. It's an, inv it's, it's an invisible hand. So it could do, okay. it could do a mouse movement. It could do a keyboard movement. Um, all, all of that, all that stuff. One thing I haven't tried to do with it because I, for this kind of thing, I probably would you just write a plugin in Chrome is have it specifically target something in the um, DOM view, uh, the DOM of a web page. Sure. Um, you know, look for a particular, you know, button or div on a web page. Uh, and try to to click that. I don't know if it can like read the DOM of a you know read the, the HTML of a web page. I think if there was a way to get to that button on a web page by hitting the Alt key or by moving your mouse consistently to a particular spot, then you could do it that way. I'm not sure if it can do it by like, hey, look for this div. Um, thinking about what you said though, like in our, this is a little off topic for our, our audience, but in our um, CMS, uh, so work every week, you know, Tom's Hardware, you know, using Tom's Hardware CMS that we have, there's a save button and there's no hotkey for that, right? And so I wrote a Chrome extension where is that button when I hit Control Shift S. Sure. Right? Um, so, you know, I don't know if you could, have necessarily do that with auto hotkey because it's not, you know, it's a button on the page. Uh, and so it would be hard to con consistently hit, maybe if you hit tab a certain number of times, but depending on where you were, it might vary. Um, but for anything that's like in a windows program, uh, or a consistent menu, even like web tools like Google docs, uh, this will work perfectly. Very cool. This is, this is potentially going to change some stuff for me. So I'm, I'm uh, super excited about this. <laughs> you could spend. I mean, you could go down a really big rabbit hole with Auto Hotkey. It's been around for like at least twelve years. 
and it's a common uh, open open uh, scripting language that people people use. Gotcha. And obviously, I know you already said it, but there you've got an article with all this information in it. Yes, come to tomshardware.com, and I will have we have already have up an article on how to use your numpad as a media player, macro pad, or mouse uh, that explains everything that I just showed. Well, it was it was fun looking into it. Obviously, I, I didn't go deep down the rabbit hole with you yet. That is intended for this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I am definitely looking forward to that dive. And as always, Avram, I look forward to what we talk about next. week's extra life on f5 live is proudly powered by loot crate whether you're a gamer anime fan or pop culture aficionado loot crate has a crate for you they curate a bundle of collectibles apparel figures and more that you can't find anywhere else and they're delivered directly to your door it's like getting an awesome birthday present from yourself every month and you can learn more about the crates that are available and the deals that are going on by going to f5live.tv slash loot crate So, okay, I think we all know at this point that possibly (laughs) the most followed story uh, in tech in the last year, year and a half, because it is fascinating, is the Epic Games versus Apple slash Google thing. Um, Obviously, they're mostly after Apple, but there's some animosity towards Google as well. Um, But we're going to focus on the Google side of things tonight instead of Apple, which is where we usually are, because some interesting information came to light, uh, care of one of these lawsuits. Um, In an attempt to avoid this anti-competitive lawsuit from Epic, Google discussed internally trying to buy the company. So there are... So many problems here. (laughs) The first, of course, is the fact that Epic would have had no interest in this. If, If you have followed this even a little bit, you know that Tim Sweeney and his team have every intention of seeing this thing through. Um, and so a buyout from Google would not have been on their radar. Um... The, the second problem is, though not the first time a company would have bought another company in an attempt to avoid an antitrust lawsuit or an anti-competitive lawsuit, Google's under a lot of scrutiny right now. Would this have gotten even gotten through, or would it have merely upped the ante on nearly every government in the Western world investigating Google's business practices? All of that is probably why it didn't get very far, because Tim Sweeney says, we never heard anything about this until we got the document from the court. 
So it obviously didn't get too far because they didn't talk with Epic and nothing leaked out about the discussions. So there couldn't have been a lot of people involved. But what an interesting approach. So I don't know. Is Epic a public company? Um, I don't know because I know they have major investments from some other companies. Let's look. Uh, why Epic Games isn't isn't publicly traded? Plans to stay private. So no. So, I mean, don't they have to find someone who wants to sell it to them? Right. I'm sure Google has enough money, if it were public, to just buy, well, provided that they're institutional investors that don't that want to sell or whatever, but you can't, I mean, they have to find someone who wants to sell, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they, they would have had to have, they would have had to have convinced Epic to sell, which is so unlikely. If, I mean, it's that's a weird. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't totally. I, I don't pretend to totally understand what motivates, what motivates companies to buy or sell themselves. You know, like, I mean, not to buy, but to, to sell themselves. I mean, some companies seem to really have investors that just want to get, get out, or whatever. So they're mm-hmm. happy to uh, be. They, you know, they want their money and to be swallowed by a bigger company. Um, others, they want to, you know, they want to be a player. So, so I mean, it seems like Epic is a company that wants to be a player. Like, yeah, you know, because they keep challenging everybody on every front. Like every time we turn around, they're going, "Hey, hey Steam, Epic Game Store, right?" <laughs> Like I mean, it's, they challenge everybody at every turn. It's it's amazing that we there are a few companies in the past several years where you would think, oh, a larger company could have come in and swallowed them, mm-hmm. but I guess they wanted to stay independent because, you know, like for example, Netflix. Now Netflix is so big, Netflix can swallow other companies. But true, when Netflix was coming up, you know, was coming up, it was a small company. And it disrupted, you know, it majorly disrupted, you know, companies that were bigger than, bigger, that were bigger than it. Blockbuster is gone. Yeah. Blockbuster is gone, but also, you know, all, you know, it's streaming model, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. Microsoft, you know, can't, I mean... Their Apple is a competitor now, but I mean, I think a lot of companies are, and you know, would be envious of Netflix's, are envious of Netflix's market position and haven't Absolutely. been able to, to achieve it, right? And they managed to 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 achieve it, and at certain points they were a smaller company, and someone mm-hmm. could have come along and say, "Hey, we, we want to buy you." And I assume that the people running Netflix probably turned down some offers or or were determined, like, "Hey." One we from Blockbuster. Independent. <laughs> right. So, and and who knows what would have happened if, if Blockbuster bought Netflix? Would it have just become, would it have just gone down with the, the ship or would it have transformed the company? Right. Hard, hard to say. 
Well, I can, I can tell you based on, uh, based on talking to some of the people uh, who were executives at Radio Shack while working with the Blockbuster deal, uh, there was nothing that was going to reshape that company. Right. I mean, you know, they were bullheaded. Right. I mean, that, that kind of thing happens, right? So, yeah. so yeah. So if you, if you look at it, I can't imagine how Google, you know, unless they had some way of, 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 of having a hostile takeover. And then if they have a hostile takeover, like what, again, they're going to face some government regulation here because they're, you know, they definitely by owning this game company are, are kind of taking up the market. So there is a question of antitrust there. Right. So yeah, it, and and a game company that so, them anyway. and a game company that so famously sued them, claiming anti-competitive behavior, trying to looking like and based on this, not just looking like, actually trying to silence that loud voice <laughs> by buying them out of the market. That's you know none of that I can imagine would have looked good for the company. Right. Exactly. So, all told, uh, this was never this was never going to happen. No. But it's a bad it was a bad idea. Whoever at Google thought of it. Yeah, but you know they say there are no bad ideas in brainstorming. That's not entirely always true because some of them can get you into deeper legal trouble, like this one yeah. almost certainly would have. <laughs> yes. But I imagine Apple would have been happy if. If Google could have silenced Epic, it definitely sounds like we're talking about the mafia families in New York. But but, but wait a second. There's more. It's not it's not clear to me that if Google had bought them, True. let's say they bought them and it went through, that Epic would drop its lawsuit against against Apple. Why would Google want them to? Well, because Apple is the loudest one championing their championing championing hard word to say they're the business model that they want <laughs> right but i guess what I'm, I'm saying is like yeah i mean but it hurts it hurts um apple more than it hurts google and and besides if they own epic they still have the same problem don't they like they still want to be an apple an apple store yeah and they still want to be able to distribute. Right. I mean, presuming <laughs> that they actually want Epic to be a successful a successful company. Right? Sure. And and not just a victim of silencing. Yes. Assuming, I mean, it's a valuable asset. So, you know, I mean, granted, Motorola was a valuable asset at the point that Google bought them too. So, who knows? Yeah. True. True enough. Oh, poor Motorola. Uh, yeah. obviously like you said this there was a zero percent chance that this was going to happen for so so many reasons but it is definitely fun to muse on on what they could have possibly been thinking The 
This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, and a whole lot more. And you can use your computer and mobile device with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. Um, it was a while ago that Facebook, uh, all capital Facebook, the company, uh, <laughs> announced their intentions to fully integrate all of the messaging systems that the company owns, including Facebook, all lowercase, Messenger, uh, Instagram messaging, WhatsApp. Uh, those three in particular, the intention was to create one messaging system that would uh, go between them. One of the things that we talked about when that announcement was made was our belief that the likelihood that Facebook would complete the transition was low because the idea of encrypting all messaging, calls, video, text, seemed unlikely because Facebook is a big fan of uh, seeing what's happening on its network, right? Uh, and so we were a little skeptical that it would go through. It turns out we were wrong. Um, last year, they uh, uh, implemented encryption, end-to-end -end encryption on text messages across all three platforms. Uh, and this week, they have added end-to-end -end encryption across uh, all voice and video calls as well. Um, so, basically, all communications across Facebook are encrypted. Hold your horses. I'm getting too excited. Because <laughs> the encryption keys are server-generated. Which means they're stored somewhere and are therefore decryptable by Facebook themselves. So, the idea of being able to circumvent law enforcement by, by using Facebook Messenger, probably not going to happen. Um, so it's actually an interesting middle ground, right? Between, between the privacy that encryption provides from the possibility of somebody hacking into Facebook, into their Messenger system, and being able to access the messages, well, all the messages are encrypted. If you get that database, eh, it's not all that valuable. So there's there's security and privacy there. And then on the other hand, there's all the concerns that law enforcement, that you know, you and I, Avram, we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years. Um, there, there's been a big campaign for backdoors into encryption. This is Facebook saying, you don't really need a backdoor. There are other ways for law enforcement to get it and to provide the privacy and protection. It's an interesting middle ground idea. Uh, I mean, it is a backdoor. It's just, uh, it is a backdoor. It's just that it's not built as a backdoor. They hold the key. Right? right. So first of all, I wouldn't necessarily trust that to be, I mean, we don't know who, I mean, forget about turning it over to law enforcement. We don't know if someone at, who at Facebook has access to those keys. Sure, right? absolutely. Or or how secure the keys are. 
couldn't somebody possibly hack into Facebook's into Facebook servers, get the keys? Absolutely. And we, uh, in, in our article on the website, we actually have uh, an encryption, some quotes from an encryption specialist in a, in a, a Q&A that was done before all this, talking exactly about that particular problem. Uh, the idea of there being a central store for keys, yes, that makes the hacking process far harder, right? Because now you've got to hack into two, hopefully... <laughs> separate uh, uh, systems and that the keys aren't just being stored in the same database. <sighs> but uh, but it does still leave open the ability for, for a nefarious actor, either internally or externally, uh, to, to get access to everything and, and get a hold of it. Also, you'd have to be the uncoolest truck in the world to use Facebook Messenger as your, like, as your burner. <laughs> You know, must be true. Must, I mean, like, I don't know. I just can't imagine. I mean, uh, did you ever see The Wire? No. Um, so, great show. A lot of people love it. When The Wire was made, um, I guess they were primarily, like, getting wiretaps on actual phones and phone booths and things like that. Maybe at some point in the show that people were at, they were using cell phones or people were using burners or whatever. Of course, now you would you know you would probably want to get taps on. I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know if you'd call it a wire. Uh, you know to get taps on on people's messengers or whatever. But I cannot possibly see like Stringer Bell conducting. Uh, for those who watch the wire conducting business over Facebook Messenger. Yeah. I mean, that is just so so uncool to be like <laughs> using I mean, it's just it's not what the cool kids use, right? Sure. Right. It's not what the cool hackers use either. Like, you know, No, you're going to be on tour. Really Right. For for sure, tour? you're going to be on tour. There's going to be I mean, what would you use for messaging on tour though? There's a dozen messaging. There's a dozen or yeah. so uh, messaging services on tour. Yeah. So you have to be a pretty, a pretty weak, uh, a pretty weak crook uh, to, <laughs> to be using pretty tech unsavvy to be using Facebook anyway. Especially because other than Google, if you were to survey people out in the wild and say, who is tracking you the most? The answer would be Facebook. <laughs> right. You're going to trust Facebook with your, you're going to trust Facebook with your data there. I mean, that's, that's, it's not very wise. I also, you know, would really question, of course, have they promised not to look at it? No. Right. That too. Right. I mean, they're one of the most yeah. shocking things that I, um, read about in the last few years is that whole story with Alexa, right? And how how Amazon actually has people who go and listen to recordings of, of what you've said at home on Alexa. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think Google probably has it too with Assistant. And that they actually found ones that they found interesting and they would like email it to each other. Uh-huh. You know, so... I find that really real. I mean, 
really, really upsetting. Now, yeah. granted, they never said they wouldn't. Amazon never said they wouldn't do it, right? Um, so, uh, Abram, your sound may I'm have sorry, just stopped. There we go. I think I hit spacebar by accident. I was so excited I went like this and I hit the space bar. Anyway, the um, if Facebook hasn't promised not to not to read your conversations, the fact that it's encrypted only means that yeah, people at Facebook can get your conversation. Right. Exactly. And that's that's why obviously the excitement around this, it's it's about as exciting as when there was a somebody released a uh, a certificate that worked on AOL Instant Messenger in like the late 90s or early 2000s. And so people were using it because it put a little lock next to your name uh, in, in the messenger. And they're like, oh, look, my conversations are encrypted. Ah, but are they though? Because everybody's using the same certificate. So right. I could decrypt every conversation that's behind that stupid little lock. That's, that's the same situation here. Yeah. Is it encrypted? Uh, yeah. How encrypted is it? Eh. <laughs> because uh, Andrew Byrne, Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E, uh, who is policy manager at Facebook Ireland, said uh, that encryption will not prevent content from being able to be reported uh, by people to Facebook or by Facebook to law enforcement if if policy uh, uh, community standards are violated or laws are broken. And in, in fact said, encryption is just one of the tools we use to fight abuse. So yeah, Facebook is absolutely not saying they're not going to look. <laughs> and in fact, they're saying almost, uh, this almost sounds like he's saying it's a ploy. <laughs> So, yeah, it's not as exciting as it sounds, but the idea of of at least, you know, we've had certain bits of information uh, either leak by Facebook or get accessed by third parties and stored. Uh, we, we all remember the Cambridge Analytica story from a couple of years ago. Um, so at least with this, if they're encrypting stuff, even if the keys are server generated and stored inside of Facebook, so long as there's not an API <laughs> to access those keys externally, then at least there is some level of privacy and protection from the outside world, just not from Facebook itself. So, eh, it's a little better, but it's not as exciting as they're hoping you think it sounds. <laughs> This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You get your free shipping, but you get a whole lot more, including free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, and of course, a whole lot more. And we've got links to all of those features and some of our other favorites 
plus a 30-day free trial if you're not already a member. And all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. So talking of privacy and security, uh, we know that uh, VPNs are a big part of kind of everyday life these days. Um, a lot of people use them as as a, just like part of who they are. <laughs> it's always it's always on. They're always using it. Um, I have several devices that are that way myself. Obviously, we use pure VPN, um, but and and. You, you may have noticed during our pure VPN promo that I actually changed the wording a little bit this week because you can say goodbye to some regional restrictions because Netflix is infamous for paying attention to VPN IP addresses, particularly ones that are crossing borders um, and banning IP addresses and whole subnets. Now, when I say ban, what they started doing in 2015 and what they do today are different. If it's part of that subnet, what they'll do is they'll block the regionally locked content. But VPN IP addresses tend to be in subnets in groups of their own. But recently, the VPNs have been taking an interesting tact and they've been leasing from others blocks of IP addresses. And so... Let's say you've got a VPN and you're in the United States and you try to use an IP address in Australia. Uh, after a while, it'll stop working because Netflix will catch on uh, and you won't get the Australian content anymore. However, because they're leasing these IP addresses from others, Netflix has been blocking what are in reality residential consumer IP addresses. So when that, that lease is up for a couple of weeks, let's say, let's say Pure VPN leases a block of IP addresses from Spectrum uh, for a couple of weeks until they're blocked. When they return those to Spectrum, they're still blocked. Netflix still recognizes them as VPN IP addresses, and people are starting to notice content disappearing because of this which is obviously not great. This has been a weird game of cat and mouse for a lot of years. <laughs> and it seems to have caught up with Netflix because now you sitting at home, let's say there's a power failure, your, your modem comes back on and all of a sudden you can't watch regionally re things that are US-based. Just whoop, all of a sudden. That's not a great look for Netflix. Because they're essentially treating you as if you're a criminal, like you're doing something wrong when you have done nothing wrong but had your modem reboot. So here's, here's something I don't understand. Sure. And I've never understood this about the regional, about the regional, how they enforce the regional restrictions. Mm -hmm. Why don't, why do they even let you view this other country as this other country if they know your account is based in the u.s like right. they know where i live right i mean netflix knows where i live they, know they certainly know where your billing address is right they know i'm a u.s uh person right like i'm, I'm a u.s resident so why isn't it just that whenever i log in 
they give me the U.S. content, and if I attempt to log in from an IP address outside the U.S., they say, no, you know, they either say, you're in a non they either kick me out, or they give me the U.S. stuff. Um, now, I guess you could argue, and I don't even know if how this, if this is um, in, Net, in Netflix's, uh, like, terms and conditions, but, like, if I'm on vacation, let's say I, I'm on vacation and mm-hmm. I go to England on vacation yes, and I'm in my hotel room and I try to access Netflix from in there, is it okay with Netflix if I watch British Netflix when I'm in England, yes. even though I have a U.S. account? Yes. Okay, I can so- tell you, I can tell you at least from Hulu's perspective, Absolutely. When we were in Canada, there were shows that we were missing, uh, including uh, we were there for the series finale of Game of Thrones, and Danny wasn't able to watch it on her Hulu with live because uh, we were in Canada and it didn't count because they didn't have the rights to it there. But there were shows that we had never heard of. Something, I don't remember, something with the word boy in it. I don't remember what it was. But it looked interesting, and we'd never heard of it. And, uh, and in in the early days of our of our pure VPN relationship, I I used to use that as our example uh, because we were in Canada and wanted to report that we were in the United States. <laughs> right. So it seems I don't know. It seems to me like what they should do is they should just say like you're a U.S customer mm-hmm. you're i mean you're on a u.s plan you get the u.s content agreed period then that would solve this problem wouldn't it i mean what's what's the problem or is it that they're worried that people in like the uk in the u.s will get a uk will somehow get the password for a uk plan and get on that way then then what they could do is they could do both they could say like look if you you can't log on if you're outside the country Right. If you're outside of your home country, you can't you can't log into Netflix. Right. Or, or maybe or maybe if you're outside your your region, if you report outside your region, you just only get the non region locked content, which is which is what they're doing for offending like long term offending IP addresses, which is the problem here. Right. Right. That could just be the default if if you're outside your your billing address is in the United States. Your IP address is the United States. You get all the U.S. stuff. If your billing address is the United States and your IP address is Canada, you get just the stuff that is the combination in the, the middle part of the Venn diagram of the United States right. and Canada. Right. Or some, some something like that, right? I mean, why can't they just solve it that way? Why do they have to take... I mean... Why do they have to take the blunt move of like of banning IP addresses? That seems yeah. that seems very counterintuitive. Why don't they just use the intelligence they have about your address? It, it makes no sense to me. I am a hundred percent in agreement. It's it the whole policy has been so weird. There have been so many complaints since twenty fifteen when this started, and obviously now that they're actually starting to nerf uh residential IP addresses, this is not going to get better. The good news is, uh, and I know this isn't for everybody, but our audience is generally 
a techier one. If it happens, go to your modem, release and renew your IP address, and generally that will help, but you could get back onto another nerfed IP address. But at least there's a chance of being able to fix it right now while while Netflix starts to to bear the brunt of of the negative backlash. But definitely report it when it happens. Definitely complain about it. To, they need to, to know. Who? To Netflix. To whom? Yeah, get into their support system, tweet at them publicly, something. I personally in a case like this where they their policies are creating a bad a bad experience for the users, I think public shaming is a perfectly acceptable yeah. uh, way of handling it. If anybody followed my uh, my attack on the let's call them a bank current, you know that I'm perfectly okay with public shaming when <laughs> <laughs> I oh I definitely did some damage to them, but uh, but yeah I definitely let them know, but then also know that a release and a renew for a lot of people has been helping solve the problem because the next IP address may not be nerfed. Yep, and then after you get get your connection back, watch Beckett because that was a pretty good movie. <laughs> I love how you work in movie recommendations into the yeah, topic got got it got us got to spread the word new netflix movie Beckett. a lot of critics didn't like it it's a good movie you should watch it anyway okay it i've we have very infrequently gone wrong on your on your recommendations so it will go on my list okay <laughs> <laughs> i i still cannot stomach discovery but that's a whole different topic anyway <laughs> There are solutions to the problem. They're not great right now, but if Netflix hears enough from consumers, they will have to address it. And Netflix, we just gave you a solution that I think would would help alleviate this issue. So uh, I'm not even going to charge a commission on it. <laughs> that would, however, really hurt the, the VPN industry a little bit. It would. Because there's a lot of people who are using it for that. It's literally part of our promo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just... But but no, no, absolutely. It would it would hurt the VPN industry, although there's a lot of other reasons to be using a VPN, because you probably shouldn't trust your ISP either. Anyway, um, that's our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live listeners and viewers. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Pluckhitslive.com. Nope. That, well, I mean, that'll do it too. Pluckhitslive.com slash join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern. You can join us and chat with us. Uh, give us your ideas on uh, on how Netflix could solve this problem. Maybe our idea is not the best. Maybe you've got a better one. Uh, you can also let us know on social media. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a great idea. Um, if, if you can't join us live, that's okay. Pluckhitslive.com slash subscribe will take you to our subscription page where you'll see everything, including all of our shows, all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Plus, in the coming days, the link to subscribe to the monthly download, which will be our new in-depth newsletter we're really excited about. That will show up on that page as well. And so, with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Ava. 
and we'll see you back next time. Ciao.